Hey, Breakthrough listeners, it's Jason Lowe and Peter Lount from episode number 107. At Ascended Financial, mybankersvault.com, we specialize in teaching real estate investors across Canada the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. Do you also find it frustrating when it's difficult to access the financing you need or when the housing market moves against you? And when there's unexpected prolonged vacancy or expensive repairs, are you tired of transferring all that money away from you? We have the solution at mybankersvault.com. By becoming your own banker, anything that you are already doing financially, including real estate investing, is radically improved. Whether utilizing this process for down payments or for entire real estate purchases, becoming your own banker puts you in a position to control the repayment schedule on your loans while enhancing your overall returns. Whether you are brand new to real estate or a seasoned investor, we believe that ready access to money and financial control should be in your hands not the banks or a loan officer. We have an exclusive and irresistible package for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. If you want the best way to build and deploy capital, easier access to money, better returns, and less headaches, head on over to mybankersvault.com. That's mybankersvault.com. Tired of the nine to five? Tired of only dreaming about the things you want to do? Want to have more time for your family? More time for you? More time for you? This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we interview qualified guests in the real estate industry all across Canada. We want you to live life on your terms, and we want to help you break through to that life through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. Now your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back again. Glad you could uh, join us again today for another great interview. As always, we have a, a, an amazing guest to share everything they know, give us all those golden nuggets about uh, today, something really, really interesting that I don't think we touch on enough, multifamily investing. So very, very excited to get to that. Um, good morning, Sandy. How are you? Morning. I'm awesome. Excited for the, the interview as always. And um just fantastic. Great opportunities are, in real estate. There's so much to be excited about. You're well rested or maybe not. I don't know. You just got back from uh, vacation. And, yeah, I don't know uh, if I'm well rested. I feel not Yeah, well I don't know. I yeah. saw some of your pictures. It, you looked like you, it was it was more just like nonstop party. So I don't know how uh, rested you would be after that. Well, we went, we were over Philippines and Thailand. Philippines, uh, we work with a bunch of team members out there, out there, out there some virtual virtual team members. And um, so we were visiting some of them, went to one of their weddings. It was super fun. Uh, and China's on lockdown, so there's no no tourists coming from there. It was a good time to be in that part of the world. It was very, very empty. And uh, so nice for, for tourists. We got to uh, take advantage of that and enjoy some fun times and beautiful No lineups. Scenery. No lineups for anything. <laughs> right on. Um, as everybody knows, they should go over to breakthroughreipodcast.ca. There you can download all of our past episodes. You can get in touch with all the guests that we've talked to over the years and uh, they can get our free gift. Yeah. The ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estates. Uh, go sign up for that. So you get that and never miss out on a show when you jump on our, our email list by doing that. And, um, not just our shows, but whatever else we got going on events, engagements, uh, property tours, that sort of thing. So go grab that today. What kind of uh, events do you have coming up? Anything? 
Good question. You know what's uh, exciting? I always do this to you and you never know. No, I do have something coming up this time. Something that's exciting that will be timely, timely enough. Um, I don't have the link to share yet. One thing we're doing is we're going to be launching a, um, we're launching a new investment club, believe it or not, uh, oh, cool. around the Vaughn area. Um, so I've got the Keller Williams brokerage in Vaughn and uh, I've got some great investor, investor um, people that are in the mix there that are just really knowledgeable. And we, we got, got together over this year and kept chatting about launching a new club and um, decided to actually do that for, for Finally. Uh, so January, 2023, don't have the date yet, but sometime mid January, 2023, we'll be, uh, we'll be launching that and sharing it with everyone. Uh, of course, anyone in the GTA area would be pretty easily accessible there in Vaughn. And, um, and we'll be chatting about real estate and bringing on some good guests and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, it'll be exciting. So that's something to come soon. Um, again, if people register for our, our list and they get, get up to date with all that, they'll, they'll, they'll be fully aware in the coming couple months and obviously stay tuned to the show. Yeah. And they'll, and they can learn all about it. Um, also guys go over to, uh, iTunes, leave us uh, iTunes. I forgot about uh, what, what's that uh, platform called again, where everybody listens to everything. Uh, um, iTunes. Yeah, that's <laughs> You're confusing me. Go over to <laughs> iTunes, leave us a rating and review. Um, you know, guys, it really helps the show, gets us out there to everybody who wants to hear really, really valuable information like what we're going to hear today. So, you know, just go over there. And um, if there's something that we haven't touched on, also, you know, let us know what you want to hear. Absolutely. Rob, what's going on with you in, uh, in uh, Costa Rica? You're building some cool houses? We are. We just actually got our permits. So it's been actually quite a bit longer of a process to get our permits here than what I was expecting it to be. But um, it wasn't it wasn't more red tape. It was more just just every person that we had to go through was delayed, you know, longer than what we were expecting. So it was it was actually quite a smooth process. But we do have our permits now and we have the containers on site and we're going. They got their welders. They got their plasma cutters and they're going to town so um that is going on and um we are also looking at a bigger chunk of land just up the road from where we are building now um, to continue so if anyone's interested in purchasing a beautiful new three-bedroom container home in costa rica very close to the beach about an eight nine minute walk um let me know or if you're interested in Joint venturing on future projects, let me know as well. I'll raise my hand for that. Yeah. <laughs> we, okay. We, 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 can, we, we can talk more about that. I finally, I, I won. I, I'm not sure if I told this. I, um, I, I guess I didn't win. I paid for a, uh, a, a trip to Costa Rica uh, or a stay at, at one, uh, one of my uh, realtor friends' Airbnbs in Costa Rica. It was at a golf tournament, so charity thing, but. Um, oh, I see. Okay. I got to use it at some point. I haven't booked anything, but I got to use it at some point. Uh, Where is it? It is Tamarindo. Oh, so okay. near you. Very close by. Yeah. Yeah. So I I did that and I was just kind of spur of the moment, but I said, I, I Costa Rica keeps calling. I got to find my way to get there at some point. Uh, come check it out. So you need to check it out. do it when it's snowing, obviously. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so I got to stay. I got the accommodation settled. I got to book the other parts, but uh, maybe this winter. We'll see. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. And I'm also looking forward to speaking to our guest today. You like that little, uh, little segue? That yeah. was good, huh? 
Uh, <laughs> today, we're very happy to have Corey Spurley with us. He's going to be sharing some of the challenges faced by multifamily investors in today's market. So thanks for joining us, Corey. Thanks, Rob and Sandy. And um, congratulations on Sandy starting a local club. I know now the pandemic's behind and all these local clubs are starting up again. So that's got to be really exciting. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, it's long time chatting about it. Certainly the timing is, yeah, it's a little... Well, it's easier to create that now than it was yeah. in the last couple of years. Right. Um, well, yeah. we were doing it online and, and, and up till now. And speaking of online, I just had the privilege of uh, joining Corey in the Real Estate Resilience Summit uh, recently. Um, him and Elizabeth Kelly hosted it. And that was online. It was like it was super cool, though. Right. It was more immersive than anything that I've seen online before. So. Uh, but I, I had the guest, uh, sorry, the pleasure of being a speaker. Um, so I wanted to say thank you for that too. Rob, that was great. We're definitely going to do another one. It was definitely something that most people hadn't seen, you know, the level of interactivity, you know, mm -hmm. trying to align 20. I know you weren't live, but I mean, we had most of the speakers, 20 some speakers showing up live all weekend. So it was, it was pretty incredible experience to, to be able to host that. Yeah, and the platform, uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it's a really uh, innovative platform. I think it it allowed everybody to just really almost feel like they were actually there, right? Yeah, Join rooms, talk to people. Else. Yeah, yeah. very, booths, very cool. Trade booths set up, expo booths. So yeah, it was cool. And you got to share everything that uh, anyone who missed it might learn right now. So uh, thank you, you again for having <laughs> us on. Or sorry, yeah, thank yeah. you again for being Happy on here, here with us. <laughs> happy to be here well i'll give you a little background for our listeners uh or viewers on Corey here and who he is um excited to have you from beautiful Kelowna, british columbia i think you're our first guest from Kelowna, not our first guest from bc but possibly first one from Kelowna. um and you're a successful real estate entrepreneur and investment coach in the area there i'm investing in canadian real estate for 22 years single family and multifamily projects uh, you're an expert on multifamily like we mentioned and focusing heavily on uh, that niche and requiring projects with significant upside potential uh, and 10 plus or purchase 10 plus apartment buildings in the last decade with value exceeding 25 million and you're an authority on priority prairie real estate markets joint venture partnerships and raising capital and you believe in win-win deals with investors great thing to be uh, to be believing in there and students tenants and communities so awesome. welcome to the show yeah thank you so, Corey, in uh, our usual fashion, we like to get started by you just telling us, you know, a little bit about yourself and your journey in real estate investing so far. Yeah, so I started in 2000. Um, so I'm a tradesman in instrumentation. That's how I started. I had a pretty good income, but I didn't know anything about uh, about investing at all. So I actually got a, my first house was in Saskatoon. It was actually a house hack. So I actually became a landlord with my first deal, not really having any idea what I was doing. And then I started to work overseas. So I was trying to manage, self-manage a, a real estate, um, you know, up down with two different tenants from, you know, from across the world. And it was, it was a very, just a nightmarish experience. So I quickly segued into multifamily. I did a few singles, but I quickly found out that, you know, I could scale up a lot faster in multifamily. So I started around 2003, 2004, just joint venturing with people that, you know, had more experience than I did. So that was a great way to get in. I made some money. I got to learn the ropes. And from there, I, I moved from Saskatoon to Edmonton in 2005. And, you know, we had really strong markets in Alberta. You know, it was the economy was booming. 
I mean, energy was booming right up until 2007. And there was kind of a cliff that went after that in 2008. But it was a great time to get in. So I actually bought my first building in 2008. And I think I'm on my 11th or 12th building now. I bought uh, several buildings, you know, between the 2007, or, sorry, 2008 to 2015 mark. And then I kind of slowed down during COVID. And now I'm actually on my second purchase since then. I've done about half of the deals with joint ventures. So I think I've done six deals with JVs where I've, you know, probably about 12, 13 million in property, probably about 5 million in raised. So mm -hmm. the last couple of deals, I've just partnered with my own money, but I'm getting back into JVs now. So that's kind of the short resume. <laughs> well, obviously we're going to talk about that because there's uh, definitely a lot of ins and outs involved in having other people join into these kind of deals. So um, that's cool, man. Wow. Like, there, there's a lot in there. You've packed a lot into those uh, the last decade. So, congratulations. What brought um, you to? Uh, why did you choose? Uh, why did you choose the locations you did early on? Like, were, were you living in? Yeah, sorry, Saskatoon is what you mentioned, right? Why? Yeah. It's, why did you choose that? Yeah. So, it's funny you say that. Like, when it comes to niche, I mean, when it comes to multifamily, a lot of people when they get in, they just kind of do a broad search and just throw a dart at wherever they see a building, not having having any idea how they're going to manage it from remotely. So I always say, if you're going to buy a property, it should be close to where you live first. I mean, it doesn't really matter what it is, but for multi, it's especially critical because even if you're hiring a property manager, you still have to be kind of babysitting. You have to know what they're doing, at least off the start. So my first one was actually in a small town, Saskatchewan, after I moved to Edmonton. So it was basically a 500 kilometer, hour, kilometer drive to the building. It was a burr, so it was 30000 a door, completely trashed. I just had a new baby. I just started a new job. So it was the worst combination of, you know, shit that you could possibly do. But, you know, we managed to – I managed to do it. I managed to hire contractors, managed to turn it around, held it for three years, and that really got the ball rolling. And then after that, I bought the next two buildings in Edmonton while I lived there. And that's where I really set up my core team, you know, with realtors, property managers – um, you know, appraisers and experts and really, really built my team there. So that when deals came up, they would funnel to me. So I start to get, you know, high up on realtors lists. And then I would kind of, you know, I'd often get first dibs on properties and I've ended up buying a lot of property that way. And then in 2014, I moved to Kelowna, but I kept my niche, you know, in Edmonton because it's the markets that I really knew. And then I returned back to Saskatoon in 2016. And now I kind of have two areas that I work out of. Well, here's an interesting question for you. Yeah. What do you think in those early days, like you were talking about all this adversity that came, maybe not like some good and some bad, right? Like yeah. um, obviously anything involved with the building that was a problem is one thing, but then you're trying to juggle your new family and everything on the other side. So what do you think sets you apart um, as someone who would push through this? Like what kind of what gave you the drive to push through it where other people might say, Oh my God, what did I do? I'll just sell this thing and, and move on and pretend it never happened. You know, that's a great question. And that's a question I don't think I've ever been asked, but it's, it's, it's a fantastic one. And it wasn't just the first deal, you know, after I got, I did my first joint venture, I did it with Thomas Byer and I realized, you know, how much value you could create with apartments because, you know, if you can raise your rent by $1, that's $200 in equity. So if you could, that's on one unit, you know, so if you, if you multi, do the, do the multiplying effect on that, you know, a hundred dollars on 24 suites is half a million bucks. So, wow. Like it's like, that just blew me away. 
So trying to get set up at the time, you know, I enjoyed my job, but it wasn't really what I was passionate about. I really wanted to, to you know, move my side hustle into something permanent. But, you know, as luck would have it, it's funny because <laughs> almost all of the deals that I've had that have been really good deals have come at really challenging points in my life where mm. I think in, in most cases I would be like, no, I just can't fit this on my plate right now. But over the years, I've learned that, you know, when these opportunities come, when the great deal comes in front of your eyes, you have to be awake and you have to realize that and you have to you have to push forward. And I guess I would just kind of tell myself that, OK, it's not the greatest time, but you know what? Just get it under contract, get the ball rolling on it. Things are going to smooth out later. And they always did. And I'm glad I made those decisions. But it's a very, very good question. Uh, well, let's talk. What do we talk about um, multifamily properties in today's market? Why don't we focus on that a little bit and see uh, see what we can? Uh... It's definitely changing, huh? Yeah, it's changing. It's probably. I mean, I, from my my two cents before you jump in here, Corey, is that the government's really trying to make us maybe go that way a little bit um, away from more of the single family. Is I think they're trying to save with some of the financing options that are out there, at least. Um, so. Uh, you know, I'll let you share what you think, but um, I don't know if that would be premeditated by the government. By the way, they probably just want us out of all of it. Just figure that you know, multifamily is out of touch for most of us, so they don't have to worry about that right away. But well, they certainly want definitely, people... I think, sort of uh, target the small landlord and maybe give them uh, second thoughts. But uh, yeah, what are your thoughts I on think that, so. Corey? Yeah. I can talk about my distrust for the government all day long. And I'll, I'll, seg I'll segue into that with the CMHC MLI Select Program, which I think you're referring to. Right, but yeah. um, the market today is actually very interesting because on the one hand, it's challenging for new investors. We have had relentless increases in our expenses. So unlike single family where you can pass off the, uh, the utility expense to the tenants, with multifamily, we have to absorb most of that. That includes the heat, the water. Um, you know, all the, all the regular stuff. The only thing the tenant really pays for is the electricity in their own unit. So, you know, we've seen a relentless increase in, in utilities. We've seen a relentless increase in insurance as well as property taxes. So that's kind of the bad news. But the good news is the rental markets in Canada have never been stronger. Now, I know in Ontario, Sandy, where you are, it's it's been strong for a very long time. Um, it's hard to say you're going to... Probably you would not lose money on a building. In fact, if you bought a building that was probably half vacant, it's probably like you just won the lottery because you can instantly raise your rents much higher than I ever could on the prairies. But even in my markets, you know, I went through a really rough time of adversity of, you know, 20% vacancy rates in Saskatoon hmm. in 2017-18, um, you know, and that almost broke me and I had that on three buildings. So I was basically turning over units you know, that we're paying 1100 re-renting them for, you know, 900 after oh, renovating. Okay. Then that guy moved out. I was renting him for like 800 And that went on for almost two years. I bled through all of my capital, all my reserve funds. But now we're kind of on the upswing. And, you know, at least in Alberta, there is a, there is a downturn every 10 years. You can go back to 1950 or 1940. And right now we're at the very beginning of a very strong rental cycle. I mean, vacancies are coming down quick. So on the one hand, it's challenging, but on the other hand, it's the perfect time to buy in if you can find a decent property. Now, even people I've talked to in Ontario, I know a couple of realtors out there, you're not seeing the cash buyers anymore. You know, they're not showing up making multiple offers on these, you know, 12, 15, 18 plexes anymore. You, you may be the only offer at the table. So you, you can actually do your proper due diligence and you can go through the procedure properly. So from, a, from a, the standpoint of someone getting in, it's great. 
Now the sellers are, are being challenged because they want last year's prices. Well, right. who doesn't? I mean, yeah. I do. But if they're carrying debt, they're facing the same thing as everyone else is in rising interest rates and loans are being scaled back. So I think it's better now than it was a year ago, but you got to be cautious going in. But there's definitely way more opportunities today. Yeah, that was the biggest breath of fresh air when we came here to Costa Rica was like a couple of years ago, um, being the only person in on the offer, right? Like that was just something that at that point was unheard of in, in Canada. Yeah. So it's, uh, it is great to be possibly even in that same situation nowadays over there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not unlike like when I first started. I mean, first house I paid 8% interest rates, you know, and that was, and I was doing cartwheels at the time, you know, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting we're heading there now, but I mean, we're definately, rates now are higher than they've been since 2007, at least for fixed rates, right? So, so if we're going to talk about rates, how have, how has the lending environment changed then since even last year? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. That's affecting everyone. And a lot of new investors, they don't realize that. They go and make the offer just like they did six months to a year ago. And then they go to their mortgage broker and realize, hey, I want a 75% loan to value. And now I, I can only get like 60 or 50% loan to value. Oh, okay. So now you got to go back to the seller. Because so during COVID, that, that time when the rates basically bottomed out. So that was from April of 21 to Feb April of 20 to February of 21. I mean, the Bank of Canada bond was 0.3%. You could have got a CMHC mortgage at 1.5% interest, 40-year amortization, you know, and just pulled mm -hmm. out a, a whack of equity. Well, that's not the case now. Now the bond's at 35 You're going to get a CMHC rate closer to 5 So your loan is being scaled back significantly, right? Because the bank wants to see a cushion between your net income and what your mortgage payments are. You know, they want to see about a 30% cushion. So this is the biggest shocker for people. And I'll give you one example. One of my one of my students was going to buy a 20 plex in Edmonton and he had a loan opinion, 1.6 million. It was two million purchase price, which was which was OK, which is reasonable. Three months later, he got a same loan, another loan opinion. It was 1.2 million. So they asked him to cough up an extra 400 grand to buy the same building. So, you know, it's kind of having the impact of artificially increasing cap rates. I don't know if you want to get into cap rates here, but it's on appraisals. It's basically starting to show some i wouldn't say cracks in pricing but pricing is definitely coming down you know the realtors i've talked to in edmonton now it's around 110 120 000 a unit you know those numbers are starting to come down now because you know at first when rates first started to come up the cash buyers came in and they, they kept chugging away right but now those guys are those guys are kind of disappearing now too and now everybody's in the same boat you know so i'm looking at a building now, the government has been creative. They've come up with MLI Select, where you can borrow up to 95% 50-year amortization. But you're basically imposing rent control on yourself in a prairie market, which I'm not a fan of because I believe there's 40% rental upside in Alberta in the next five years because rents right now are still lower than they were in 2000. And, and sorry, rents are still lower than they were in 2014, right? So go back eight years. You know, unlike Ontario or BC, where we've seen like massive jumps in rent, yeah. we're just at the start of this, you know, rental curve. So lending is take is a humongous factor for people buying in. But if you do it right, you, you're going to do okay. And I say you need, you need to do a five-year hold. This is why I, I don't recommend short-term strategies now, like, you know, bridge loans or burrs or one or two years, because 
we really don't know where those rates are going to land in a year from now. So if you can find a good quality building on a five-year hold at today's rates, do it. It's, it's a no-brainer. So in your market, have you seen the price point come down like somewhat proportionate to these, uh, to the, the, I guess, the increase in the interest rates and, and that kind of thing? Not yet. And because there's always a lag, right? I mean, <laughs> this was this was unlike, this was pretty similar to 2008, right? It takes the sellers a while to get slapped before they wake up to reality. And I was one of them. I was a seller. But talking to the realtors that I know in Edmonton, a couple of deals just, just came through. You know, there was one was like a 50 sweeter and they traded in that 120 a door range. But, you know, their opinion, and I've talked to more than one, they're saying this is probably the last of those deals. Now, as the deals are coming out, I, I think where you're going to see some price pressures. I think that's probably going to go down to, to um, 110 or 100. But there's going to be a point where it's still going to be a good buy because we're at the start of the swing of the rental increases. So the rental right. increase, the value you get from that is going to offset the interest. Um, so that's kind of my thoughts on that. I still think it's, it's a perfect time to buy. If you find the right building, but you can patiently wait, but I wouldn't wait like you can't, you never time the bottom. It doesn't matter if you're doing what kind of real estate you're doing, right? You're not going to hit the bottom. So if you see the, if you see a deal that's good you go for it, but I'm not nearly as like aggressive as I was a year ago. Right. So one of the first, and here's something else that like, I'm just trying to put into people's minds is like, you know, they're like, okay, well, how am I going to break into this? Because I don't know anybody like the good deals aren't going to come across my desk or whatever. But, um, I like when I first started, uh, it was either it was a, it might have even been the first or second deal I did as a wholesaler was a nine unit building. Um, so, you know, like if people are, are thinking that way, there's there's nothing wrong with going out, trying to like, you know, learn who maybe owns a building. If you see something that you know, could use some upside work on it, you know, could try to figure out who owns it and maybe reach out and see if they are interested in getting rid of it. Right. Like that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, put your name out there to everybody and let them know that that's what you're looking for. Right. They aren't just going to magically fall into your lap. But like Corey says, if you get out there and and let everybody know that that's what you're looking for, then they are going to start to come across your desk. And that's that's realtors, property managers, you know, appraisers, mortgage brokers. Most of the deals I hear about aren't even through realtors. They're, they're through some of those other channels. But I love your example of, you know, people that are out of province that think it's tough to break into a market. And, and it can be. But I'll, I'll give you a great example. I have a pending deal right now on an 18 suite. And the same realtor said there was a listing on MLS that had basically just gotten stale because that's what happens. They'll list it too high. And it's just mm -hmm. assumed that no one's interested in it. Just some random person from BC. Nobody knew who they were. Called and made an, and just made an offer and got the building. They didn't know anything about the Edmonton market. So it, it absolutely can happen. People just, they see these MLS listings and they just automatically assume, no, it's overpriced. It's on the market. Nobody wants it. Right. But I've bought three right. buildings that way from MLS. So yeah. it's definitely one avenue that you can score a win in. Yeah, yeah, the more, the more were... you know the market you're in, the more you, the more you have an idea of what's going on there and the more you have your team there right, to advise you and help you through that, the, the better you can actually look at those like for what they are, not just because, you know, hypothetically they're overpriced or whatever. Yeah. And, and the property manager is key. I mean, the pro my property manager, he's also an owner. So he knows the markets. It's funny because we'll go out and look at a building and the realtor will be like, okay, it's worth this much because the rents are this or X. 
And he's like, well, I manage this building, this building, this building, and no, the rents are this. And because they're also owners, like I've, I've done a walkthrough, I have the building under contract. And, you know, then you, you do the, I don't like doing the, the haircut analogy, but we call it a retrade. So, you know, within seven days, I'll, I'll place a building under offer because you can't go and walk through every building you put an offer on. It's just not possible, especially not when you live in the same city. So we'll place it under offer and then we'll go have a walkthrough and then he'll just say, well, it needs this and this and this. This is how much it's going to cost for renovations. You need to go back and ask for a reduction. And the first time he did that, I was like horrified. I was like, there's no way they're going to agree to that. There's no way in hell. But sure enough, and that's twice now that he's done that for me and the seller has agreed. So I've gotten two really good deals that way. So you can't be afraid to, to ask for a reduction as well, right? Definitely. What are, you mentioned um, MLI, MLI Select financing earlier. Do you want to touch a bit more on that or what that, that option looks like or what, what, what other options are similar maybe out there right now? It sounds good yeah, right like, off the top, right? Sounds great. What are yeah, maybe some I mean, of the pitfalls? Honestly, like so all of, all of my joint venture deals, I did conventional financing. I didn't do CMHC for the simple reason that my joint venture partners did not have to sign a personal guarantee. So if I went conventional financing, I could be the sole signer. And that's how I justified, you know, my 40, 50% equity stake in the building. Now, if you go CMHC, the chances are at least 50% of the, the passive partners, if not all, have to sign the guarantee. And that can be hard to convince a joint venture partner who's silent that, hey, now you have to sign this guarantee so that if something happens, now you're on the hook for this mortgage. So what's happened and recently, the other big change in the lending is, the conventional lenders have disappeared. I actually have one right now that I was hoping to renew. And they just out of the blue said, well, you know, we don't, we're not going to renew anymore. Well, why not? Well, we're not looking for anything less than 5 million or 10 million. And I, I owe them like one and a half. Oh, and by and the they're way, they're not even renewing back. current mortgages. No, no. Really? Multi. And, that, and that's huh. happened to me more than once. Like in Saskatoon, the lender I had there, I did three conventional mortgages and they just decided out of the blue, well, we're changing our mortgage business. So, too bad, so sad. Now, CMHC is a little different because once you get that certificate, you're good. But the lender doesn't have to renew the mortgage either. So I just did a burr, for example, in Edmonton, hoping to go to the same lender I've been to for you know decades. And they're like, well, sorry, the lending environment's changed. Uh, we're not doing anything for less than $5 million. I was looking for two. So where I, where I had a pool of like 10 banks that my mortgage broker could choose from, I was now have now have two. Hmm. Right. So this is the other big change. So segueing into MLI, MLI was an affordable housing uh, program basically created by the feds, you know, to incent landlords to keep their rents below a certain level. You know, so they, they compare the median renter, um, the rents to the income of the area. Now, this really disproportionately skews it in different parts of the country. So, for example, in Edmonton, housing is really cheap. Incomes are really high. So every single apartment building falls under the affordable category. So for people that live on the prairies, they just won the lottery. Now all of a sudden, hey, I can borrow 95% loan to value, 50-year amortization. The bank is only looking for a 1.1 uh, debt service coverage ratio, cushion between the net income and the payments. And people just like, you know, took advantage of this, took a massive equity. But you got to think about the amount of leverage because, you know, you do that last year when rates were low, five years from now, that's essentially an interest-only mortgage. You know, you're not going to pay off almost any of the principal and you better pray that that rate is at the same or lower than it is today or you're going to get a margin call. And I've seen this a lot 
the other thing that's happening right so now. Is to, sorry, with this, are, yeah. is, are you saying that you have to keep the current rents? Is that what you're saying? So you don't have to keep the current rents, but they have a cap on how much you can increase it. And, you, and you're, you're in that for 10 years. So, for example, like in an expensive market like I am in Kelowna, where, you know, I'd probably pay 300000 a unit for a multi. And, but rents are super high here. Okay. But also the incomes in Kelowna are very low compared to Alberta. You know, I would have to drop my rents, you know, here in Kelowna significantly to even qualify for this program. Right. Mm -hmm. But in Alberta, and it's, it's tied to, they call it the CPI, what you're allowed. So it's 80% of the units have to be tied to some kind of rent control, which, you know, the cap is, I think it's like three or 4% that you can raise your rents a year. So the logic for most investors is like, well, I haven't been able to raise my rents for the last eight years anyways in Alberta. So I might as well take this program. It's, it's great money. I'm going to take this money and redeploy it. But the gotcha is with the government is you're essentially you're imposing rent control on yourself. Now, I firmly believe there's a 40% upside for rents in the next five years. Now, if I opt out of MLI and just do regular CMHC, the, there's no cap on that. I can raise the rents to whatever I want, whatever the market will bear. So, and there, it, it is divided, like bitterly, like 50% of investors, they're all in on MLI. But I can tell you this, the veterans, the guys that I've known, the guys in the 60s and their 70s that have owned multifamily for decades, they're not going near this program with a 10-foot pole. Um, how about the, because um, Corey, there are a couple other elements to it, right? The accessibility and yep. uh, efficiency. Is that what we're yes. um, how, yeah. how do those play? And do those maybe change that in any way? Because if you can get get because that that skips over potentially skips over if you get enough of the points through those those uh, two pillars of it, you can kind of avoid the affordability piece, right? Yeah, I think so. I have, I have one friend who's looking into that, especially the efficiency part. So, and, and these are yeah. great initiatives by the government. I have to give them a little bit of credit here because hmm. you know if if you step up and increase energy efficiency, you're going to save money. It's it's better for the environment. You know, if you add a ramp to make your to make your building more accessible, they're going to recognize they're going to recognize that as well. Now, the one the one real advantage of MLI is on new builds, because if you're and I know a few ladies like Sorry and Ilona in Edmonton that do new build multifamily, MLI for that makes a lot of sense because you only have to tie I think it's one of your units or twenty percent to uh, you know to these rental to these capped rental increases, and they're allowed to raise the rest to whatever they want. So on a new build, it makes it makes a lot of sense. And I think that's where the accessibility and efficiency really come in. And I think you can score points on all three and really, you know, take advantage of this program. I just haven't talked to very many people who've done that. You know, most people have gone the, the affordability route. And the for accessibility the is really tough. Left, yeah, accessibility yeah. is tough for sure, unless it's a new build. Um, yeah, you can't to, just throw an elevator into your building, right? It's no. not that easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Efficiency, perhaps. I think that's a. I think there's got some. There's opportunities there for sure. Hmm. Um, I agree, though. Yeah, new builds. New builds certainly has uh, has some perks that, to that. That might make sense. Yeah. So you mentioned that you were doing a burr right now, or just recently, um, on one of the buildings. So what is the potential risk increase right now in doing something like that? Yeah, honestly. So the one I just did in Leduc, it was eighty six thousand a unit. We just refinanced it to 130,000 a unit, okay. but our bridge costs were astronomical, right? We, you know, we had we were borrowing at seven percent plus yeah. there's points. If you go beyond the 12 month period, they either increase your rate three percent or add more points. Um, I, I know a guy in Ontario right now that's he's just doing one 
He bought a building in Mississauga, 360,000 a door. He's doing a burr and he's going to take out, out his burr. He's going to take out his bridge financing with MLI Select. Now, the one I just did in Leduc, I would, don't even know if I would do it today because that 7% bridge loan is now a 12%. I actually have a building under contract right now in, in Fort Saskatchewan, which is just on the outskirts of Edmonton. It's a premium building, 125000 a door, but the rents are low. So, you know, a year ago, I might have did the first strategy. I might have did a bridge loan, you know, with cheaper rates. But now I just did the, the math on that. To borrow that much money for 18 units is $350,000. So that essentially adds $20,000 a door to the purchase price. So if I'm at $125,000 and I'm adding another fifteen, well, I mean, I'm not going to be able to refinance that at one hundred and sixty dollars to be able to take out the interim financing. And this <laughs> is the real risk to these bridge loans today, right? Yeah. It's super, it's super tight. And, you know, you're, you, don't, you don't know what rate there is next year. You know, what rate are you going to take out, even with MLI? There may not okay. be enough equity to take out your bridge loan. That's, that's why I wouldn't do it right now. I mean, so, there's other creative so ways are, you can is buy. There, is there like, okay, sorry. So explain this uh, uh, in yeah. a little bit deeper terms. So the okay. bridge loan is so that you can renovate. Yes. Right. Okay. So you're taking a loan, uh, a new loan, like a second against the property. So you can go in, renovate, raise the value. So now like the bridge loan is how long typically? Yeah. So they're, they're interest only. So there's, it's the only real variable rate type of uh, financing for commercial. It's mostly, it's mostly long-term fixed rates. So the bridge loans are interest only. They're tied to the prime. They're usually prime plus five or prime plus six. They're usually for no longer than 24 months. So you can't do a bridge loan for five years, say. Right. You know, right. They, they will not, they will not allow you to do that. So usually after the first year, you know, Harbor is a good example. They do a ton of bridge loans. So let's say the first year they'll do like, interest only at 7%. Then the next, if you go beyond the 12 months, they want another 1% commitment fee, right? So if you borrow 2 million bucks, they're gonna ask you for another check for 20,000. Plus now your rate is going up, you know, from to seven to like 11%. They really uh, disincentivize you from keeping that long-term. Right, so and, there's all kinds of factors in play. Like, are you gonna be able to get in and do the renovations? Like is yes. the unit vacant? Um, how many units do you have vacant, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So maybe this works better on smaller buildings or that kind of thing. But um, no, that's, I was just, and and so let's, let's transition this into, you know, for, for people listening to this who had no idea what Corey was just talking about, they can join uh, your mentorship program, right? And maybe get, get a grasp on what all of this means and how they can take advantage of it. So, yeah, it's called the six pillars of multifamily. So it's a nine week, it's a nine week mentorship program that I go through because a lot of this does can get pretty complex. Um, like I said at the beginning, I, I'm a big fan of just five year buy and hold, 25% down, um, factor in what the price is. I'm going to gradually increase the value over those five years and then refinance over sell. It's the model that makes the most sense. When you get into these bridge loans and interim financing, it gets a little trickier and it gets riskier. Now, to throw even more on top of that, another go-to strategy is a vendor take-back. You go to the seller and you ask them to carry some of the financing, some or all of the financing. So this is something you're going to see a lot of as well, because I go to buy a building. I'm going to go buy your building, Rob, and let's say you're going to retire. 
And well, now I go to the bank and Mr. Banker's only going to give me, you know, 60% loan instead of 70. But say you're retiring anyways, he wants some income. Well, right. I can I can offer you a higher purchase price if you carry the mortgage for two to three years. You know, maybe 80% loan to value. You make some money, you get to defer your gains over a couple of years, save some taxes. It's win-win, right? And it's way cheaper than doing a bridge loan. So, you know, seller financing is not uncommon in single family, but I think in multifamily, we're seeing it more and more. And I think that's going to start picking up steam, especially as, you know, traditional bank financing is becoming more expensive, especially the bridge loans, right? You know, and that can also really, really help somebody who's gotten themselves into, uh, I guess, a, a situation where they don't have any, uh, I don't know, other income or whatever, and the building's not covering them, right? So someone retiring, yeah. like you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I don't want to breeze. Biggest... Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, I don't want to breeze by the mentorship program, though. So let's talk about how people can uh, sign up for it. Like where would they go to uh, join something like that? Oh, yeah, you can just go to my website. So it's just altonequities.com, A-L-T-Y-N. And right there, there should be a, there's a link to the Six Pillars program. So you can go there and check it out. I also have a downloads feature on there. So there's a bunch of downloads you can have. I've done a bunch of webinars on different topics. But you can still get into the mentorship program. So you just have to go on there. We're running it from now until Christmas. And then I'll probably run another session. And I run it like usually twice a year. So I'll probably start it up again um, probably around maybe in the spring. It depends if we do another summit. You know, I'd really like to team, team up with Elizabeth and do another summit. But it is a pretty, it's pretty intensive program, mentorship. Um, I have people in there that have never bought a single piece of real estate to people that have done like 50 or 60 flips. And I have people that already own multifamily. So there's really something for everybody. I, I go right from the foundation of planning you know, right to acquisitions, you know, how, what are the strategies to, to do acquisitions, financing, property management. And then I, I've even started to get into syndication now and doing joint ventures and raising capital because, you know, raising capital and, and JVs kind of go hand in hand. And a lot of people, when they're starting out, I mean, they may not have five, six, seven, 800 grand to, to buy a multifamily building, right? Because they are pretty expensive. So there are ways you can get in with JVs, whether it's active or passive partners. And that's that's a great way to get into a multifamily building. Yeah, that's very cool. And um, we're going to have all the information in the show notes. If people miss that, they can go to the show notes and get in touch with Corey on the mentorship program. Sounds great. Thank you. Um, I don't know if we covered this, but I got here. What regulations have changed? So is, is there oh. any certain regulations that have changed over the over the last little while for multifamily? So when you, when you buy a building, one of the big um, things you need for due diligence, there's three reports you need. So you need an appraisal, which is kind of goes par for the course. You need a building yeah. condition report by an engineer. And you also need a, it's called an environmental site assessment. So an ESA or a phase one. You'll hear the term phase one. Mm -hmm. So now, at least in Alberta, they've really started to change the regulations around the environmental contamination. And it's mostly to do with tier one and tier two soil samples. So let's say you buy a building and it was in the vicinity of a gas station or a dry cleaner. You know, dry cleaners, you know, horrible for contamination. So it'll trigger a phase two, which basically means they drill holes and they do soil samples. Well, to put it in perspective, before when they were looking kind of with a magnifying glass, now they're looking for a, with a microscope. So okay. if you see any kind of trace contamination. So as an investor now, I'd say 
if you see this, if it's within a block or two from a gas station or a dry cleaner, it's easier just to steer clear of it. I mean, I'm navigating a deal right now that is close to a former gas station site. So they brought in these regulations in 1990 and now going forward, it's going to be even stronger. And the second one is going to be, I think, with um, with with the market kind of slowing down a little bit, a lot of these kind of newbie syndications are going to be in trouble. And I think securities, the securities and exchange is going to be breathing down a lot of people's necks now. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had a few collapses in Saskatchewan and you really got to keep <laughs> you really got to keep on the level, you know, have, have all your documents signed, work with accredited investors. Really don't don't take any shortcuts there. That's the another big one that I feel is going to be massively impacting in the next like in the next year for sure. Um, have you ever seen something in the vicinity of like a, a gas station or or a dry cleaner, like you said, and it passes phase one, or does it go straight to phase two with something like that? It can. It, you know, so what what will happen is on a phase one, it'll get flat. So is it like, have you ever seen something there though that didn't get flagged on phase one or just, or it does just because it's in the vicinity? Yeah. And I could give give you a couple great examples. I mean, I know a good guy, I know a guy right now, he got a phase one and it was near a dry cleaner and he didn't like the fact that it was there. So, you know, he, it depends how you interpret the report. He somehow convinced his lender that it wasn't a problem. He got the financing. He went to try to sell the building. It triggered a phase two. And the guy yeah. drilled the samples and found contamination right. and he just screwed himself. So yeah. you got to ask yourself, how badly do you want this building? Yeah, sure. You can buy it. You can find a B lender. You can buy it in cash, but it's way easier to stay away. Right. It's going to, tr- it's going to trigger the phase two. You do this, you do the tests and the seller pays for them. The seller pays for the soil samples. If it's clean, you're good. It's not like, it's not like that's going to come back to haunt you five, 10 years from now. Once you've done the, once you've done the soil samples, it's not, it's a non-issue. Now, some people would still be uncomfortable with the fact that there was potentially contaminated site beside them, but for some investors, it doesn't matter. But I've seen this a couple of times where people gloss over on the phase one and that is just a bad idea all around, right? Like that's the biggest risk to investors because you find contamination on your property, they can essentially shut you down. Say, oh, look, look at this. Well, we have to remediate. All your tenants are kicked out, but the mortgage company still wants the mortgage. So what are you going to do? It sounds bad. You need to know somebody who does soil samples and also owns a car wash, maybe. Yeah, there you go. Uh, um, Corey, what's next for you? What are your big plans? I'm getting back into joint ventures. I'm, I'm going to continue to do, to do education because I, I really love you know sharing my knowledge. I, I ran into a situation where I had a lot of people were coming to me from out of province that came into Alberta and got themselves into some situations with multifamily that they shouldn't have. I mean, even, even sophisticated single family investors, they invested in the wrong neighborhoods. They bought the wrong type of property. They hired the wrong manager. And I just thought, man, I gotta, I gotta help people out here. And that's kind of how the mentorship was born. And I, I really love it. I want to keep doing it. I love analyzing deals for people, but I'm probably going to go back into syndication now. So I'm looking at actually acquiring, starting a limited partnership and acquiring larger blocks because the other thing that's changing right now is I'm now seeing 50, 70, 100 unit buildings regularly coming up for sale. And that was unheard of a year ago. You know, you, you never saw those listings. They went straight to Main Street, Avenue Living, all the big players. You know, they kind of went to them under the back door. 
Now I'm starting to see those, at least one of those listings a week. So they're, they're available to all of us now. They're up for grabs. So, you know, my next step is going to be to start a limited partnership, service, service my, my investors and keep creating those win-wins. And that's probably what I'm going to do. I love it. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Nice. Great time to be looking to be investing in those types of properties. I think the market's near the bottom, getting to the bottom will be there some point soon. I think, like you said earlier, yeah, right? multi, never there's, never, there's never a bad time to buy. It's just yeah, a matter right. of just finding the right property. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think I, I, nobody knows where the bottom is, but certainly we've been through a, a rate hike shock. It's going to take a while to work its way through that system, but yeah. um, multifamily is going to continue to perform for a long time. Well, the, the one point yeah. I was going to make is like, you know, because most of the people that listen to this show is are, are um, you know, relatively new, I would say, to investing. Okay. And and so I think that a program like what you're saying, so you made the point, you said a lot of guys who have been investing in this for like 15, 20 years, they're not going to touch this new government program, you know, with a 10 foot pole. But I think yeah. it actually does create some um, opportunity for newer people to actually enter the market, right? Because they, these guys weren't there 20 years ago when the other guys started. So I think that it actually does create some opportunity. And so uh, that could be something that people can look into. 100%, yeah. I mean, the, you, you can if you buy a building with 5% down, and you can, if you find a building with enough value add on it, sure, you can go in there with that high leverage. I mean, yeah. You're stuck in that program for 10 years, but it's still CMHC. They're still going to give you, you're still going to get a way better rate. For example, the commercial loan I'm doing right now that's a conventional is 6.5%. Well, I'll take 4.5% 4, 4 under MLI Select all day long, right, over that. So mm -hmm. you're right. It's still a great program for under the right circumstances. Yeah. I mean, that's, maybe maybe they should take your mentorship program and then decide what to do. Yeah. yeah, actually, yeah, we're going to be doing a call. I actually have financing experts on on my show. We're going to be debating exactly that, the pros and cons. There you and go. Half of my students who are just staunch supporters of it, and the other half that are like, no way in hell. You know, I had a mortgage broker last year that was old school, and he's like, no, this is an affordable housing program. This isn't for you. Don't go near it. And yet I have another one that's saying, this is the greatest thing that ever came along, the greatest gift from the federal government. You got to get on board. So the opinions well, are kind of all over the place, right? I mean, one of the biggest uh, um, pieces of advice that I ever took was this guy, Jason Hartman. He's out of the States and I used to listen to his podcast all the time. And his motto was refi till you die, right? Yeah. Refi till you die. And so I, I picked up on that. I'm like, this is great. I, I, I love what he's saying. Okay, I'm going to adopt this mentality. Did for a while. And then, you know, there comes a point in time where you go, okay, hold on maybe we got to like shelf that saying for a little while here now, you know? So, you know, not everything works all the time. I think there's an adaptation that needs to be had to everybody's um, strategies. Right. But you can still continue to buy. Yeah. Le leverage is leverage is key and over leverage can, you can easily over leverage yourself. That's one thing you can do on this MLI select program, right? <laughs> Allow yourself to do that. Cause if you cap yourself in rent control, your expenses aren't going to, stay the same. They're going to continue to go up, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if you find yourself in a squeeze where your expenses are going up and you can't raise your rents, that sounds like being an Ontario landlord right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so a 3% increase is more than we get, man. So uh, that's, yeah. what I, that's when you said that, I'm like, okay, well, that sounds good. Like, 
you know, we've that got, a, I good. think, a, yeah. what, what do we have? A 2%. Yeah. I think we got a 2 Two is high if that if that's the case you know, right now. Yeah. But, two is one do you see you know, one and a half or something here? Yeah. Usually one or point something. Right, right. Yeah. Um anyway. Uh well, Corey, I really appreciate you coming on. I mean, you've shared a lot. Obviously, there's so much more deeper that we can go with this kind of stuff, yeah. but uh we've sort of just scratched the surface. But I want to say thank you for coming on and sharing. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks, Sandy. It was great. I, I, I tend to get pretty passionate about this stuff. And when I start talking about different scenarios, I got to kind of slow myself down. But hopefully your your viewers got enough of an intro to multifamily to at least get them interested. Um, feel free to contact me. My my email, cspurleyataltonequities.com. People can email me all the time. I always respond. I love to hear from people. Um, check out my website, altonequities.com, and just fill out the contacts and set up, set up a discovery call with me. And I'll, we'll see if we can help each other out. Right on. So that's the best way for them to get in touch with you. What is it again? Uh, just just on my website, altinequities.com, A-L-T-Y-N, equities. You can just go to the contact form, just fill it out, and that's the best way to get a hold of me. Perfect. Awesome. Again, thanks for being here, man. appreciate it. Sandy, yeah, love it. Uh, what's the best way people can get in touch with you? Any social media, uh, I will, any social media platform, um, pretty much, or um, Sandy at freedomreps.com. And people can reach me at rob at mrbreakthrough.ca. All right, guys, thank you for joining us. See you again next time. You've been listening to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. And we hope you've been inspired to take control and live life on your terms. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And don't forget to subscribe and listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. See you next time.